we come again here for another introductory episode to a new character for the Fateless Campaign. We have uh, Augrad playing a dwarf named Doric, and he will be going through his little story and introduction for this character. <clears throat> well, an interesting sort of fellow was Doric. Dwarf out of place, out of sorts. Left his cavern home and was cut off from everybody and removed from his group. Ended up somewhere completely away from all of his family, all of his friends. Isolated and alone. Which seems to be a common thread in hero stories, I guess. So, the weird part though is the dwarves live next to a lake. And they don't teach them how to swim. That just seems like a bad... Seems like a really bad idea to not teach people how to swim if you live right next to water. Because it's kind of a skill you don't really know you need until it's uh, absolutely too late to learn. But anyways. He grew up in the caverns, ended up pulled away down into Atravanian territory. At one of the large temples of Eros. Sits at the coast, where all the storms can wash over the temple. Honestly, if you build your if you build your house where all of the storms will wash in off of the off of the coast, that seems like a really just dumb idea for construction. I don't I don't know who builds this kind of stuff, but this place this this world has some weird weird practices. And then you also build them by the Atravanians who. Just all live in the swamp and kind of just want to be left alone. Just, I don't know, just... Tillendor's a weird place. And we will have... A group of dwarves are leaving their cavern home. The big doors open slowly, creaking and groaning a little bit. As Doric, among the other young dwarves sees the outside sunlight for the first time. That bright blast of sun as the cave opens up. Exiting out and seeing the wide open world just kind of open up. The sounds of birds, the sounds of other animals, nature itself, the whole just melodious cacophony, if you will, of all of nature as uh, the instructor leads the group out and says, All right, children, children. This is what the surface dwellers call Cloudy Lake. I assume it's because it's uh, not exactly clear. They're not very innovative uh, for naming a lot of things. Uh, please go ahead, make sure you have your buddy with you and you explore and see things in the world here. Myself and the other instructors will be here if you have any questions. And that is where Doric has to pick a uh, fellow dwarf to accompany him as he explores the surface. So who does Doric pick to explore the surface <clears throat> with? Well, I think I'm going to have to go with my best friend. Uh, uh, um... <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> go with uh, my best friend Thor. Thorn. Thor? 
Thorn. Thorn. Best friend Thorn. That's a good dwarf name. Respectable. So Thorn will grin and you guys can head off onto the lake and look around. Uh, there are, like I said, the older dwarf instructors are kind of just hovering around all the different uh, pupils and, you know, warning people to stay away from the lake if they get too close and, you know, bring up some berries or whatever they'll tell you if it's poisonous or if you can eat them and stuff like that. So Thorn uh, will head out towards the uh, woods at first. Just kind of marveling at the uh, massively tall trees that are just around the edges of the cavern entrance right on the shore of the lake. Thorn, my dad told me about this place. It's way different than all the, the, the halls that we are used to being in. Look at all this stuff. It's so different. I still can't get used to... You look up and you don't see rock above. It's, it's, a, little, it's a little scary, actually. I kind of like it. I feel like there's more room to breathe. The sun is a little harsh. I think that's what they call it. The sun? Son, son of sun? Something like that? Yeah, he's just got a shrug and it's like, oh, we could always ask the instructor, but I do believe it's kind of a moot question to ask. True. Well, I don't know how long we've got up here. We might as well see everything we can. Let's head into these woods for a little bit and see what we can find. Alright, so as you guys uh, head into the woods, kind of sneak into the woods a little bit. Um, give me a perception roll. It is a 10. A 10? Alright, so on a 10, uh, you guys will be walking around here. And I do need to get a set dice out because I did not open a stat block for this character. <laughs> I thought I grabbed a d12 for a second. I was like, that won't work. No, not quite. <laughs> so, uh, Thorn is just overwhelmed. Um, it's, a, it's a straight up two, so... Slightly above just complete and utter failure. So he's just overwhelmed with all the sights and sounds. Kind of looking around, you know, wide-eyed excitement. You said you had a... A ten. Ten. So, as you all are up here walking around... You're gonna spot some different rose bushes, um, sort of a uh, different plant life. Some there's actually some berry bushes that you find around the corner. And it's a weird thing to have as a trap game. <laughs> Apparently, a grazing deer is a trap. Uh <laughs> Let me guess that. Uh, to be fair, I've never yeah. seen one before. Thorn, what is that? Wait, we've probably <laughs> eaten deer, but we've never seen one yeah. in person. Yeah, I would say I'd say you definitely have seen deer. It just it was weird that it, that was a uh, that was a yeah. hazard. Yeah. You get a pissed <laughs> off. You get a ticked off the buck. It'll do you. That's fair. That's fair. Um, so yeah, as you're walking around, um, and you guys are walking through the woods, that definitely detected you. So as you're walking through the woods, a uh, some of the noises and stuff as you're, that you're making and carrying on, um, a deer perks up and just bolts uh, off in the, the distance of your vision. You see this deer just raise its head up and just run away. 
in their leaping gant that they make. Uh, I think I, I, I... Oh my gosh! And they just stumble backwards in shock and surprise a little bit <laughs> into into the rose bushes, I'm sure. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, and, so you kind of and, fall backwards into, into some brush. Uh, I guess we'll do a reflex for that. See, uh, see if you actually fall over when you hit the brush. That is a... 14. 14? Yeah. Alright, so I think you'll stumble, you kind of hit the brush, and kind of snag up a little bit in your clothes, but you manage to keep your footing. <clears throat> Thorn will just uh, be kind of laughing a little bit at your reaction, and he's like, I do believe that was a deer from the books. A lot bigger than I thought they'd be. Yeah, it was definitely bigger than I thought. I'll pluck a berry from the bush and throw it at him. Alright, so you two are going to start a berry fight. That's interesting. So he's going to... You chuck one at him, he'll pick up one and throw it at you, and... As rambunctious children do, have a berry fight in the woods. And of course, you know, I'm going to try a bite of one, because, you know, why not? It's mushing <laughs> up and everything, so I'll try a bite of it, too. Alright, alright. Uh, you're... You're, thank you're, you're lucky enough to not have picked up a poisonous one. Uh, one of the instructors kind of makes its way around the corner, seeing that you guys have disappeared. They apparently definitely have their hands full. Mm. So the instructor kind of walks around and says, uh, you, all, you all okay over there? Yeah, we're fine. We just saw a deer and we're exploring and everything. We'll get back to where we're supposed to be, I guess. I guess head back more towards the lake itself. As you know, are both covered in berries, uh, guts, and bits. Yeah, probably need to go wash our hands in the water. Right, so as you head back towards the lake, uh, looking around now, um, some darker clouds start to kind of raise up in the distance. Um, nobody seems to be too tired, too phased by it. They're just, you know, some some say it's going to rain a little bit and. One of them is kind of happy that you know, get to see rain on your first visit up here because that doesn't always happen. That's special. <laughs> Not really that it's special, it's just that it's one of those that, you know, hey, we don't usually get rain when we come up, so this is, this is interesting. Yeah. Not bad for a first trip. So, yeah, we'll, uh, I'll go to the water's edge and kind of kneel at it and just, you know, wash my hands off a little bit and try and get all the berry juice out of my, you know, face and hands and you know stuff like that because i know my folks would be pissed if i came back very stained <laughs> oh berry stained that'd be that'd be a fun that'd be a fun time so yeah you guys will clean up and then they'll bring you all around to a little bit of a little bit of a, a sit and learn sort of thing and they'll talk they'll start talking about the uh the people around the etrovenians uh, I'm not. Uh, that's your... I'm not really going to pay that much of attention. I'm just too awestruck by what's going on around, and uh, easily distracted by just being outside for the first time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see that. That's it's a light lesson because they know that there's definitely some distraction, but they have to, you know, do the thing teachers do and kind of share instruction and share stories. <clears throat> so they're talking about uh, the Atrevenians. And the Atrevenians are... They're an interesting people. 
Uh, they have a their main fortress that's like the the main royal family is built at the edge of the mire. It's just and then they built up little villages and towns inside the mire. Everything built up on stilts. Uh, the best way to, to look at it would be like the bayous, sort of, and mm. once you get into the mire itself. Everything's built on stilts. They use, you know, small boats to traverse between areas. Uh, there are some roads, but um, they very quickly get uh, flooded with water periodically throughout the year. And they have to be maintained. Uh, some bridges that are built. And he's talking about how they they mostly just, you know, do their thing. They're left, they like to be left alone, but they are good trading partners for the dwarves. Uh, they appreciate dwarven weapons and dwarven steel, and the dwarves get to learn more about the surface around them, and they also get uh, access to some of the magic that otherwise they wouldn't have. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship. Cool. And while they're having the conversation, it starts to sprinkle. So you're sitting there with this lesson going on, and you start feeling raindrops on your head. I'm going to pull the, like, head up of my cloak over my head a little bit more and maybe like try and find a drier patch of ground to, to sit on as we listen. Well, the fun part would be if you live underground in caves, I imagine water suddenly hitting your head is not a good thing to feel. <laughs> Rude. That would be. <laughs> I'll raise my head. Uh, uh, teacher, this is raining a lot more than like What's going on? That's part of the cycles of the surface. They have rain. They have the rainy days, the dry days, and it usually lasts for a few minutes. So I we're going to just kind of stay underneath the trees and continue our explorations. Mm. Uh. So I, I mean, we've already kind of, Thorn, we've already looked over there at the woods and stuff. Well, I want to go see if we can see a fish in the water. So head over more towards like the the lake itself and the, the water, maybe getting in like ankle deep to it and stuff, just to kind of see what we can see there, playing with cattails and stuff, and what all critters and bugs and things we can find. Getting all wet, dirty, and muddy. Uh, the typical boys day, day outside. I mean, we're clean of the berry juice now, so... <laughs> Time to go on to mess number two. Exactly. I'm sure it was a crappy cleanup job anyways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you'll have that a little bit more time there as you kind of probably splash at each other a little bit and you find different... You play in the water there. Um, you will have a couple fish... Uh, kind of swim up and maybe a couple even kind of uh, bump up against your stout legs as you're in the water. Oh, I'm going to try to catch one with my hand. Uh, give me... What would that be? <laughs> It'd definitely be a sleight of hand to try At to do that. At the very least, yeah. Alright, let's see. And I guess we'll do a acrobatics for a... For, uh, I, want, I, I said I almost said the completely wrong fish. So don't worry about it. It's a nat one. Oh, nice. So I'm pretty sure that fish uh, gets out of the way, and I fall completely in the water. Actually, 
Also a net one for the fish. <laughs> so I'm picturing probably the most ridiculous, like cartoonish sort of thing happening ever. You manage to catch this fish and you pull it out of the water and the fish is flailing around, slaps you across the face with its tail, and then you end up dropping it because it hits you and then it falls in the water and bolts off. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and at that point, I'm just going to be laughing because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's fantastic that I caught a fish with my hand. I'm proud of that. Uh, but I think it's also hilarious that I'm now soaking wet. In cloudy, <laughs> dirty water. <laughs> it's not really dirty water, oh, just yeah. that sort of the, the Mur- kind of a little bit murkier. Murky. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll we'll cut away there. And as you know, the stuff keeps happening, and people are you know seeing different things. And there's now people talking about the fish and um, some of the some of the some of the um, the minders there are trying to catch some to uh, have to basically get together for a meal. And the camp is on the edge of the, the lake. It's a little bit further away from the, the doors of your settlement there, but not too far away. Uh, you get a nice view of the lake and across the lake. And you actually can just barely see um, across the lake there's a tower. Like an old guard tower up there on the other side of the lake from where you're camped. Mm. Just barely see it in the, <clears throat> the rain. Mm. Uh, and some lightning strikes. Uh, they're still saying, you know, we're high enough up it's not a problem so let's keep keep going out the day uh, well, I reckon I would probably you know, nibble on my meal and talk about my exploits of how I was the best hunter in our class since I caught a fish with my <laughs> bare hand um, just braggardly so like I you know exaggerating the size of the fish so much so that it's my arms are out there max that's how big it was the fish was bigger than I was um, you know as I'm retelling this tale of this fish that I caught and then it just used magic to get away from me um, and uh, you know after after that eating you know, nibbling some food and stuff uh, look over at Thorn Thorn. Do you, do you see that over in the distance there? That tower? Let's go. Let's go find that. Let's go see what that is. Well, the, and so also, I would say the instructors are keeping a close eye on everybody, and as you try to sneak away, they're going to tell you that uh, you can't. You know, no, stay here. We're oh, no. finish up the meal, and then they're actually setting up camp. So it's starting to get towards uh, like it's like dinner time now. So you're kind of setting up a campsite. I, I'm I'm the great hunter of the group. Who caught the fish? I should be able to sneak away from this. They're like, no, you need to help set up camp. <laughs> okay, fine. I will help set up the camp. So I begrudgingly begin to set up camp uh, and help the other students with it. Uh, not really paying attention to what I'm doing, keeping looking over in the distance at the tower as it being a place that I want to go and explore and see what else I can find there. Yep, yep. So you're set up camp, and you guys managed to get your camp set up, and it's starting to get towards nighttime. Um, the instructors kind of make their way around, making sure everybody's you know in their tents asleep, and they kind of set up a perimeter to make sure nobody tries to get out of the camp. And you'll hear a whisper from outside your tent. 
and it's Thorn. Tarek. We can get out. I, I, I saw a, an empty, a blank spot in their, their ring. We can get out. You don't have to tell me twice. Let's do this. That's so all I want to sneak out from my, my tent and start following Thorn uh, to get out of, out of the camp. So Thorn leaves you in kind of a kind of a uh, circuitous way around um, getting around the camp, kind of out the backside, and as they you go down a little bit of a hill toward away from the lake, and then you kind of cut back around, so you're able to get around the camp. And as you two are now walking around, the star stars up in the sky, a little bit cloudy. So there's like a little every so often a cloud will kind of move over, and a star will peek out, and it goes back behind a cloud again. Still kind of raining. Uh, not super hard, but definitely that light, that nice that nice brisk rain. That's literally what I have here at in the real world. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it lightning or is it still or just just the rain itself? There, there's very occasionally a lightning strike. Okay. So I'll, and they're usually fairly far away. So once we get out of like hearing distance of the camp and everything, start talking to Thorn, you know, uh, what do you what do you think that tower is for? What what do you think that's for? As we head that way, I don't know. Maybe maybe it was used at one time to be shelter if they were fishing or maybe hunters. That would make sense. Just I'd definitely be shelter out here. Yeah. I'm getting more used to it with the, without having a roof over our heads the entire time. The longer we're out here, uh, eh. you know what? Still, it's still pretty. It's still a little weird, but it, it definitely feels nice. And then uh, I look at and I'll go. I bet I can beat you to the tower and start running as fast as I can at my <laughs> dwarven speed. <laughs> <laughs> towards towards the tower not only your dwarven speed but your child, child dwarven, dwarven speed, dwarven speed. <laughs> yeah yeah alright so as you run along the side of the lake um, there's a little bit of spots where it's kind of muddy um, so there's a couple little bit of slip and slide every so often and you come across one of the one of the tribute one of the little tribute areas from the mountains itself into the lake. So there's there's water flowing now. So you head down the side over here, you start you come across one of the little tributaries. There is no so there is no uh, bridge or anything over this water. It's just open water that flows down from the mountain into the lake itself. <clears throat> Does it can I tell how deep that tributary is and everything? Uh, I would say for somebody who's never been outside, no. Okay. Um, I don't have any clue of what how deep water is, so I'm just going to run headlong into it and hope for the best. Yeah. Oh, as, people, as somebody who grew up near a river, that's such a horrible idea. Yeah, I know it is. <laughs> I, I am well... I, I realize that. Dork would not. Dork does not. Dork does not. He's lived in a hole. 
he's never been a yeah he has no concept of the depth of water like he would have no clue he would just assume it's the shallows that he's walked across already and just keep on trying to truck across it so as he hits the uh the the little tributary river there um between the mud and the current flow he is knocked off his feet and starts sliding I'm gonna have to try, you know, try and gain, regain my balance. Like stop and reach back for Thorn and try to try to catch myself and prevent myself from falling, uh, since I was not expecting that at all. I will say Thorn uh, is not close enough to get a, like hands on you as you fall. It's going down. Going down <laughs> into the water. Yep. Uh, and I don't know how to swim, so I am gonna start panicking and just flailing around <laughs> and that is as uh doric is now in the water thorn yells uh to try to get try, try to you know yells to doric and as he just starts going away he starts yelling and the instructors are too far away so you know you hear the the panic at the camp as they try to get out there uh but by the time they get to where you guys were uh doric you are uh well outside of reach and even earshot of the goings on there as this current is whipping up strong. I'm going to be screaming for help uh, for anybody, for Thorn, the teachers, the uh, anybody just desperate. I'm terrified because uh, I've never, you know, I've never been in water. I don't know how to swim. I keep my head keeps going under the water every once in a while and coming back up gasping for air. Oh, I noticed. I, this, this map needs updated. Uh, <laughs> there's supposed to be a river here. <laughs> um, so you hit. You end up hitting the. You, you rush out from there, and you kind of rush along the side of the, the lake, and end up going down another uh, river that heads through here, a little stream area. Mm-hmm. So uh, Doric is just flailing and panicking. Uh, every so often, getting pushed back under the water. Uh, you're able to just out of sheer buoyancy alone keep above high enough so you're not you're not at risk of drowning or not at risk of you know dying as you uh, kind of get a little bit of traction in the water. Grabbing for any kind of like limb or any anything that's within reach to grab hold of that that could just give me some kind of purchase to like stop this track the, the, this this travel. <laughs> so we can do for that. Let's go with. I really feel like that is a matter of survival. I don't care if it's not what that's for, but we're going to go with that. Yeah, uh, survival makes sense on that. That is a 16. 16. Goody, goody. So I will say you're able to uh, grab, be able to get, like, sort of maneuver your way between kind of like jumping off of rocks under the water and just sheer force alone, able to get yourself to a large. chunk of a tree that is floating and kind of grab onto it Mm. probably take you a little bit to figure out how to balance yourself on it because every time you try to pull from the one side it kind of rolls so it Mm. takes you a little bit to get configured but you're able to wrap onto this log Mm. and now use it to float so you're not getting pushed underwater but you are now far away from the lake and you're no longer seeing any of the sights you were seeing before yeah as a child is absolutely terrifying it's dark. I don't know where I am. 
I was already in a weird place. I'm even in a stranger place. Never experienced anything like this before. Just utter terror as a, as a kid. So, you'll be floating on the river for about about two days. And you start seeing the river open up into a much larger, uh, just blue, all you can see in front of you. Uh, but at the side of this, like just off to the side, and the logs are heading straight for it, is a stone structure that has a lightning bolt uh, kind of embossed into the uh, stonework. There's like this lightning bolt and the stonework on this wall that has a little lip that's right on that's right at the level of this river. So, it, would this be the first like sign of civilization I've seen since yeah, I this plunged would be the, in? This would be the first uh, artificial structure that you have seen since you fell into the water. So, at that point, even though I'm just exhausted, uh, you know, hungry and tired, cold, wet. I would still like make an effort to scream for help. Help! Somebody help me! You know, just because it's the last chance that I see to possibly, you know, not die. <laughs> so yeah, you don't have help coming, but uh, as the log keeps going closer and closer to this uh, ledge, it basically smashes against it. So you have time to jump off as it as it's still progressing towards the wide open blue in front of you yeah i'm gonna do my best to push myself off of there and get to that and get hold and try to climb up out of the water all right so give me we'll do an athletics to see how well you are able to retain strength when you jump uh that is a eight so I'm going to say you're probably Doric at this point, having floated for a, a, at least two days. Uh, it's hungry, it's cold, it's wet, tired. Uh, you're able to jump onto the stone and just feeling that cool stone beneath you again is a very comforting feeling for somebody who's always been living and feeling cold stone everywhere. So that comfortable feeling of security of the stone and then the tiredness and exhaustion of Doric's vent, uh, venture to here. Um, you're going to kind of hit that stone and just not be able to move. Yeah. Your body just starts shutting down. Yeah, I, I would just collapse from exhaustion. Sure. And Doric will hear just before he passes out uh, sound of someone whistling and then the, the sound of a wooden bucket being dropped on the steps as this person comes down to uh, take care of this the person who washed up onto their uh, their structure here pass out Okay, that's sorry. My cat just distracted me. You good? As she's standing like a people on the side of my desk, asking <laughs> where her food is. It's not time yet, kitty. 
bet. So he washes up there. And in the meantime, so we're going to, we, we skipped here as, uh, everything happens in this, this temple. Uh, he finds out this is a temple. This is a temple to Eros. Uh, the, the, the nomer here for Eros is the God of storms. Um, this temp, this temple is built at the conflux of multiple rivers where they all kind of meet and then flush out into the ocean. Uh, the other one that they have is built on, uh, it's built in the Gulf, but you managed to wash up on the, uh, westernmost temple. And this is where the, as he's been here, every time a storm rolls in, it just, it hits this stone fortress and hits it hard enough that some of these storms are so powerful that this, the stone itself almost seems to vibrate inside this fortress. This place is built to withstand just about anything. And Doric learns from the, the brothers of the temple and the sisters of the temple that they are trying to locate his people, but they have not had much uh, results. Uh, the local Atrevanians don't know where the dwarves are, are camped at. They don't know where they're settled at. Uh, they've been, they, they're still waiting on word back from the, uh, the city itself the main capital to see if they have information. Um, so that won't be there. It takes them. So it takes them. Let's see. One, two, three, five, six, eight. So it would take them about four days to get to that city to even get there and then to have to come all the way back. Right. <clears throat> yeah, that river, so they're waiting on that. That river hauled me quite a ways. Yes, it did. And so as they're kind of going over that, the same person, the old man who uh, got Doric off of the stone, brought, you know, brought him up the steps and made sure he was okay, uh, got him with some blankets. You know, Doric woke up in a room covered in blankets and his clothes were hanging up, but he was in uh, basically the very, the very drab robes of the order. Uh, the old man... You know, brought him food when he woke up, and he says, yeah, "You'll this will this will help you feel better." Uh, we are trying to find where you came from, and it's a good thing you managed to stop where you did. Otherwise, you'd end up out in the remorseless ocean, possibly never be seen or heard from again. Well, I appreciate your help. What was your What is your name? Ah, so I, I am. Fallen after joining the order, we take a new name. Some of us, if we have a past. I do appreciate it. It's, this is not at all what I expected to happen when we took our first trip out of the mountains. Well, I don't think many expect their first adventures out to go the way they do. Uh, if you wish to stay here, we will do our best to locate your people and keep you fed and warm. At the very least, is there anything I can do in return for y'all's hospitality? Well, we could always use help with some of the chores around the monastery. There are many. 
my dad always told me that you had to work for your keep and so point me towards whatever you need and I'll, I'll be happy to help alright so as you're doing that and then they do get reports back that they just they cannot locate uh, your <laughs> home um, and the worst part when they do finally get word back from the city itself um, they have to report that it is not currently uh, reachable to get back to your home because of the river swell, uh, swelling. Mm -hmm. It has uh, wiped out the bridge that would have led back to the lake. Sure. And otherwise, you're taking a trip through the, the dangerous woods, which, because of the marshy grounds, can very quickly turn into a disaster. Gotcha. So you're stuck. you're stuck here for at least a few extra days. Um, and I'd say during that time period, uh, I guess Doric has Doric decided that he uh, wishes to remain here, since it would have been now probably a, actually be about almost a week and a half when message finally got back that they couldn't reach your people. Yeah, at that point, I think I would, I would have fallen into or looked for some kind of regularity in life, just finding my place. You know helping around, you know, cleaning, uh, doing whatever I can to help with that, you know, uh, just doing odds and ends kinds of things around whatever they need me to do uh, in the meantime. Uh, and getting comfortable there. You know, the, the, the stonework feels good to me. It's comforting, like you said. Plus, you also have the... Uh the sky above you too if you want to step outside you're not always stuck in the yeah. roof it's the best of both worlds uh, I think one day you know I would want to talk to Fallon uh, Fallen sorry and uh, just go to simple uh, would would Doric have known about Eros would he have would he have been taught about that as a child um, I'd say the dwarves are given, they're given some lessons on all of the deities, though for people who are subterranean dwelling, um, Eros doesn't mean much to them. That, that makes sense. Um, so in the, I would, I would want to have a conversation with, with Fallen, just what, what, I, you know, this is so different to me, like, what, what are... Who is Eros? Why why do y'all worship him? Why, why is he your god? So, uh, Fallon will kind of laugh at that as he's asked that question. I assume probably this would be closer to you know having been with them for about two weeks. No, oh, yeah, definitely waiting waiting for up waiting for if the bridge will be built and then waiting for a message to come back. And uh, he would kind of laugh a little bit and he's like. Well, what brought me to Eros? Ah, uh, the god who brings change. And I desperately needed a change in my life. It's why I went with the name Fallen when I joined the Order. I was not... I was not good, I was not bad. But I definitely had lost my way, or I guess you could say I had fallen in life. And that's part of the reason why I went with the name. And Eros, through the winds of change and the storms, 
brought about that change I needed in my life. He brought structure. Eros is the one who brings the storms. He brings the winds. The winds bring the plants. It brings the animals out for the hunters. It brings rejuvenation back, which is what drove me to him. And it was the process. It was the process of rejuvenation and change that I saw that I could change as well. Well, the winds and storms certainly drew me to here also. That would be a rather direct message from Eros if I ever heard of one. Maybe subtlety is not his strong point. Um. Well, someone who. Uh, Commands lightning at their whim probably is not known for subtlety. Very true. Um, <clears throat> you know, you know, I, I, I'm just I'm drawn, you know, as a dwarf. You know, we've made all these crafts and everything. So, you know, as I've been helping with the chores and, and cleaning, I've noticed you know, there's a lot of various important items that y'all have relics and things like that I, I feel drawn to them Colin. I, 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 I feel like they're important and it's something that I, I need to help protect since you know this has helped to save me I feel the same way on every day we I'll speak to the I'll speak to the the headmaster and we'll see about getting you an education for Eros and then see where it goes from there. I would greatly appreciate that. I would continue with my like daily chores for that day that I haven't quite finished up yet. All right, so then you get the approval to start training in the way of Eros. Um, start learning about the relics. Eros has many relics that are both dangerous, but also, even though they are dangerous and can cause great harm, if they are used correctly, then they provide a benefit. Just as a storm brings damaging winds, if you use, if you harness the winds with, you know, for example, a windmill, it gives you power and other resources for the village. So even in the most damaging and dangerous and harmful situations, Arrow still helps and provides change. And that's kind of the mentality that these uh, brothers and sisters of the Order have. And we'll have... You'll see Doric, you know, learning about these rituals, reading the books, going through the daily life of... Uh, service and servitude, cleaning, caring for artifacts, caring for the monastery itself. The master of the artifacts would uh, bring Doric in to uh, tell him about these different artifacts and the purpose. Stuff like a, there's a, there's a, a jar that has, it's, it's the perpetual storm. And when you look in this jar, it has uh, lightning strikes and there's uh, like a rain and hail. Like it's almost it's a it's a whole storm in a in a single jar, and it is brought out at the beginning of spring 
to the windows to let light come into the jar to fill to basically to feed the storm. And that is almost like a sacred flame to the temple. And just those kind of artifacts. And I would say probably throughout this time, Doric would take his vows. Yeah. Absolutely. To join as a brother a brother of the order. Yeah. Definitely so. <clears throat> and as he does this, there is a figure that is seen periodically uh, throughout his days at the temple. It's this orc man who typically shows up to speak to the the masters of the temple and to give them messages and to bring in artifacts and relics to add to the collection. Um, he's probably spoken to Doric at least a time or two, but nothing's ever been... Nothing's ever been very concrete with how he speaks. It's always been, you know, he'll he'll greet he'll greet them. He'll share what he has to share, and then just as quickly as he enters, he leaves. Never really been one for talk. And when asked, he would you know, Doric would be told that uh, the orc rep- the orc represents one of the agents of fate. And this visit after. Doric is now a fully sworn-in member of the Order. The Orc comes to visit and asks, and and Doric is summoned to go to meet with him. Okay. <clears throat> as Doric walks, that says Doric walks in. There's a, uh, the Orc is in the, the great the great chamber of the temple, which is a chamber off of the western wall that provides a 180 degrees look of viewing of the ocean and any storm that would come in it's a chamber of uh reverence during during storms but for now it's just a empty chamber with an ocean view is he looking out over the water yes he'd be standing there uh his arms are kind of crossed behind him as he just looks out across the ocean. Right. Walk up and stand beside, beside him. I, I was told that you needed to speak with me? Uh, yes, I did need to speak with you. I have a... I have a certain situation that you might need to know of in the future. Understand. I mean, I I help clean and keep the relics, study. I don't know how much help I can really be for something like that. Well, you find the most <clears throat> the most uh, unsuspecting frequently become the most involved in epic tales and stories. Oh, I've already had an epic enough tale. I'm happy just right here. I said the same thing back in a cave, and here I am. But, I need you to remember something. And this, this very much could be a matter of life or death in your future. It may not come to pass, but if it does, you will need this. Okay. So he will pull out of a, uh, a a pouch on basically pull a pouch out from his uh, the robes he wears and he's going to hand this pouch to Doric it's a uh, 
the color of the pouch is almost like a, a, a dark storm cloud. Okay. The dark, like the darkest of storm clouds, this dark black, gray, inky color for the pouch. Okay. It is inside. You will see, if you open it up, the glass inside is very important. Pull the strings to just kind of like look inside carefully. I may have learned not to run headlong into situations now. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So just kind of gently open and pull the drawstrings and and peek in just a little bit just to see what I can, what's in there. So inside the bag is a, it's a clear, it's it's a kind of a cloudy uh, crystal that is in the shape of a lightning bolt. And he will say, now, no one but me can know that you have this item. This needs to remain hidden and not to be discovered by anyone, not even your closest of friends. Do, uh, can it be removed from the bag or can I, do I need to keep it in there? You can store it how you like, though you want to be careful if it is not in the pouch for uh, it is fragile. What does it do? What, what, what is this? You'll know it is time to use it when you are in the room of murals and you meet the one who talks to himself and the wild man. The wild man? Yes, the wild man. When you meet them, you will know behind the mural of the stormy night there is a door on the wall that you need to throw this crystal at. There's nothing like that here in the temple. I've seen that everywhere. There's no one here that I would call a, a wild man. There is that one old guy who talks to himself some, but he doesn't seem to bother me much. Uh, like I said, you will know when the time is right. So I'm going to close the pouch back up and uh, find like an inner pocket inside my robe to, to store it for now until I can find a better place to keep it. I, I, I thank you for this. I hope it doesn't come to pass, but I guess it's good to have something to help if I need it. Well, I also hope that it does not come to pass for you, Doric, though... Fate has a way of making even the most comfortable situation uncomfortable. You sure do talk about fate a lot. It is why I am here. <laughs> but I do need to make sure you remember that about the gem, that no one should know you have it. I will keep it secret, keep it safe. And that you will only use it when you're in the room of murals, meeting with the wild man and the one who talks to himself. I promise you. Then I will bid you leave and hope that you do not need to use the knowledge that I have given you. Okay. 
say. He will turn to leave. And when he opens the door, he steps out into a wooden chamber that when the door closes behind him is returned back to the stone of the temple itself. That's a big trick. Go behind him and open the door and see if it just opens regularly. Regularly. (laughs) It opens to a a stone hallway that is the common hallway in the temple. Well, that's just confusing. Say to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Close the door. And I guess go back about my day for whatever duties I have to fulfill. There's more duties there as Doric learns even more, learns the magic of Eros and the way to use Eros's abilities, divine abilities, to create spells, to create mysteries, to create uh, artifacts even, and to catalog artifacts. And at this stage, Doric has joined the ranks of the uh, handlers of relics, the keepers, the... uh, the minders of the artifacts and relics of Eros. It is a subgroup within the temple, but they are just as important as any other group. So his duties in this part of the temple include uh, caring for the different relics and artifacts, preparing them for the times that they would appear based on the uh, holy uh, moments in the calendar and based on the situations. You know, the stuff that's supposed to be out for storms, the stuff that's supposed to be out for, you know, sunny, the sunny times, the different seasons, etc., etc. Yeah. So he now has this whole rotation of artifacts. And he now, he now even has access to the artifacts that those outside of this part of the order don't even know exist. Oh, okay. Cool. And one of these artifacts is one that Doric was sworn to protect. It is the, it is the, uh, the hurricane bottle. And this plays in because Doric discovers after a visitor has left the temple that the hurricane bottle is missing. So I would go immediately to the head of the keepers of the artifacts. Um, and just go. It's missing. It's missing. We. It's gone. The hurricane bottle. We have to find this. It's gone from the temple. So the man will look up at you. He says, "You lost it. You must retrieve it. We will send word ahead." And we will get people to follow, but you must follow the one who stole it. We will meet up with you as soon as we are able. So, um, I guess I'm going to have to try and figure out which direction uh, that the, the visitor went when he left, since he's the, the most obvious thief, I guess is the right word. Um, yeah. There weren't any. Did I did I see anything where it was that was like a uh, any indication of who it was or anything like that? 
So I would so say there was a group, there was a group that was uh, camping, basically they were traveling along the roads when a storm kicked up and they came to the temple for refuge. Okay. They were leaving the city of Blackwick and they were heading towards the Mire, which is the main capital uh, of the Atrevanians. Okay. Uh, so it's like, I get, so I guess I would gather up my gear, uh, I guess potentially visit the armory and everything, and make sure that I have my uh, <clears throat> lightning bolt with the gemstone kind of thing. It's a crystal. Crystal. My lightning crystal, uh, you know, hidden underneath my robes. In that in that pocket still, uh, as I as I prepare to to go, um, knowing my speed, I would uh, love to get a, a, some animal assistance, like a horse or pony, maybe. If that's available, uh, so they, don't, they do not have that here. However, you do know that, um, like I said, it was a group, so they are going to be moving slower because they're a large group. Okay. And you, as a singular person on the road, can make some extra time to catch up. Gotcha. Um, so, before I leave, I want to go and say bye to Fallon. Well, Fallen. Fallen. Why do I keep getting the name wrong? Bye to Fallen. <laughs> and uh, just not tell him why I'm leaving, but just tell him that I, I have to leave. Uh, and that it's important. Just because he he's the one that in my eyes saved me and just has helped bring me up you know like mm. a father figure in, 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 in this so yeah so making him aware of what where I'm what's going on that I'm just leaving to, to yep on to, a mission you're leaving to retreat yeah you're leaving on a mission yeah um, so a little bit about this particular artifact. Uh, this was the artifact that, in legend, um, was used to convince Lucina, the goddess of the oceans, to marry Eros. So it is a it is a bottle that contains one of the most powerful entities of the sea and one of the most powerful entities of the air in combination. So it is able to summon a hurricane. Okay, so not something you want to play around with. <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely something that uh, cannot fall into enemy hands. Like evil, evil hands could use this for very evil situations. Then I will strike out uh, and start heading towards the mire uh, on this on this recovery mission. Yeah. So you will make um, about a day's trip away from the uh, temple itself. And you're following the river. Uh, the road kind of meanders along the river and then it meets up with the main trading road that goes through Atrevania. <clears throat> and as you're traveling along this road, you know, there's different sights and sounds. You know, you're reminded again when your first journey out onto the onto the lake and you kind of see 
the different creatures and different stuff around the world that is very, very similar to that, except now um, to the south of you is more of that murky mire that is a swampland and a marsh. And then to the uh, north would be that kind of wet forest that uh, was around the lake. I'll uh, definitely stay clear of the rivers as much as I can. <laughs> the road doesn't go right down onto the river, but it is within, like, it's definitely within sight. Um, and as you travel, you come across, as you're getting close to the end of the night, at the end of the day's travel, there is a cart on the side of the road. Uh, a man is currently trying to... Uh, lift up the cart to put a wheel on because the wheel has broken in the uh, on the side of the road. Uh, I'll you know, quietly approach the man and just kind of observe and you know maybe even just from the edges of the woods, you know, not fully revealing myself because I'm very suspicious and this could be you know some of the people that took this uh, took the, uh, the relic. Uh, look over at him and try and see uh, if I can just tell anything about him you know, if, he, if I see anything that makes me think he's he's associated with the, the people that were there before gotcha so <clears throat> so this will now have your um, yeah. your uh, attributes now because we're yeah, okay. at that stage yeah. so give me It won't help you in the situation. I would say give me a... Uh, I believe that would be a society role. See if you recognize this man. Or like his voice. Um, you could also do... I think it's probably the best role for that. Um, yeah. yeah. I would agree. Yeah, I don't have a modifier. Oh, okay. That is going to be a five so i'd say you based on your kind of surveying of this this guy here uh you don't recognize him you don't recognize his clothes or even the sound of his voice or like the the markings on his cart mm -hmm. though the only thing that is on this road is the temple so and it and the cart is moving away from the temple when the where the wheel had busted gotcha and he's struggling and starting to uh curse and like kick the uh, side of the cart as he can't get the cart lifted up high enough to put the new wheel on okay. uh, what, what type of what race is he he appears to be a human man um, so I'll cautiously walk up you know where I'm you know, probably like 15-20 feet away from him just kind of clear my throat <clears throat> you uh having some problems there friend Yes, the damn wheel broke on the on the loose cobbles in the mud. Do you have a replacement one? He's gonna kind of motion to the wheel that's lay that's laid up against the side of the wagon. I can't I can't get it lifted up quite high enough to meet the axle. Well, <clears throat> I uh, I may be able to help with that, and so I'll kind of walk over there and say I can I can lift while you while you try to get it on there and uh, grab a hold of the cart and uh, 
So I'll lift on three. And All right. I will say, as you walk up and you get closer to the cart, mm-hmm. um, Doric would feel uh, kind of almost the effects of a hangovers type situation. Mm. Kind of that headache, uh, his skin sort of itchy. Um, it's a sensation that he's only felt probably not incredibly often, except for maybe the occasional traveler through the temple. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a, it's a, basically it is a, it's, it's a herb or a plant that will sort of consume magic. That means it's in the area. Oh, that's weird. Uh, I, I guess when I start getting that feeling, I'll, I'll kind of like just, uh, stop my stepping forward and, and, and look at the guy and go, who, who are you? I am an alchemist of a sort, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I, I feel... Not a particularly good one, but I am trying. I, I feel weird suddenly. Take, take, like, take a step back and see if, like, I don't know, grab my head and like rub my temples some and just like ah just, yeah um yeah so stop walking towards him to assist since the, this weird sensation is occurring oh he'd, he'd kind of look around oh i that's probably well, it's probably part of my protection for the road and he's gonna um pull a uh, pouch from uh from inside his uh, from inside his cloak, and uh, he says, "I keep, I keep some of the consumption plants. I give, I keep them ground up in a ground up and dried out in this pouch here to protect me from raiders on the road that are magically gifted." Would I have any idea about what he's talking about consumption plants or anything like that? Uh so. The consumption plants would be, that's the Atrevanian sort of uh, way they describe the plants that eat magic. Okay. They just call them consumption plants. Gotcha. Just because it just eats the magical energy from around the area. and it, So as they get more magical energy in the plant, it causes it to bloom. Gotcha. But it, is, it would be something that I would be at least vaguely familiar with everything. You've probably never seen it in a dried-out powdered form like he has, but you have seen plants that do yeah, this. Exactly. Okay. Um, well, okay. Well, let's see if we can get you on the way. I, I hate the way that's making me feel, and so I, I'll step back up and get to get to the cart and position myself to lift it up on there. So I'll, I'll lift on three and see if you can get this slid on one. Two, three. So you'll lift. Uh, give me a strength roll real fast. Uh, let's see. That is eight plus. Oh, wow. Nine baller. <laughs> so, yeah, a nine. So, so I'll say you don't quite get it up high enough for him to get that wheel in there. She's so like, let's, let's try one more. One more. All right. I'll try it again. And that will be a 19. 
So the second time you manage to gather yourself and you lift it up and he he quickly slides the wheel in and then it manages to kind of click into the uh, axle mm -hmm. and he's going to grab the hammer to pound it onto the axle. <clears throat> Maybe you can do me a favor uh, since I've helped you now. Uh, I'm looking for a group that left a... Uh, Lift our temple, and I'll kind of tap my shield uh, to show the emblem of, of Eros on there to, to indicate. Have you seen a group of people uh, traveling? They, they left some important things behind uh, that I needed to return to them. Yeah, they. when the wheel busted on my wagon, they uh, just laughed and passed me and left me on my own. Well... That is unfortunate. I wouldn't have expected someone who visited our temple to have be, have that kind of attitude. But they were heading heading the same direction you were. Yes, they were on their way to the they're on their way to the mire. Jeez. I can give I can give you a meal if you want to camp out here, and then I can give you a ride on the wagon. Oh, it's nighttime, isn't it? Yeah, crap! I forgot what time of day it was. <sighs> um. Yeah, I guess I'll camp. Yeah, I, we can do that. Um, we'll see what we do in the morning. But yeah, we can. I would. I would greatly appreciate a meal. I've been traveling all day long, so yeah. Uh, right. So I reckon we'll. Uh, I'll uh, kind of step over to the side of the road and start preparing a bit of a camp for the night. And he will uh, climb up into the cart and he'll uh, bring out some. Some bags that have you know different food stuffs, and uh, he's got some nice fresh bread. Uh, looks like it's maybe maybe a day old bread, mm -hmm. so it's very fresh bread in comparison. And he has some uh, some meat that he has uh, like some dried meats to bring over to uh, give you for some food. And oh. so, it is. Okay. so he'll see you set up the camp, and he's like, oh, "Thank you for getting the camp." Uh, as I said, here's your here's some food for you, and I do thank you for the, the assistance. Yeah, absolutely. Um, does the food look good or smell weird? Have I, do I still have the hungover kind of feeling just from him being near me and everything? Yeah, you still have that sort of feeling of just that kind of queasy feeling of the uh, magic being drained. Thank you, sir. Uh, because he keeps it on him. He keeps it on his person. I would figure I would not have prepared purified food as a cantrip for today. <clears throat> um, so yeah, the, the dried meats are like uh, yeah. some venison jerky yeah. and stuff. And he's got some dried fruits and stuff too. So uh, I guess I'll go ahead and you know, eat the food. Uh, just have conversation with him. Well, where, where did you say you were headed again? Head into the mire to sell some sell some wares. Okay. Um, I've been learning my trade as a alchemist, and I was hoping that uh, the folk of the mire will be more appreciative than Blackwick was. Mm. Is it, are you from Blackwick originally? Uh, no, I am from Southwatch. Oh. Just further on the road past Blackwick. Blackwick. Okay. Um, an alchemist. I've never met anyone who was an alchemist before. It's different. 
He kind of gives a little bow. He's like, oh, it's it's definitely a living. Um, it's it's an interesting trade. I mean, you get to make potions and other various mixtures and poultices and. It is good because it does help others because you can bring potions to a farming community and help them for their different wounds and injuries from the fields. Or you can come with a poultice to help the uh, the worker who was burned at a at a fire. And just it's definitely a rewarding uh, career path. I'm sure that you can, much like everything in life, there's both a good and a both a helpful and a harmful aspect to it, for sure. That's one of the things that I've I learned in uh, becoming a follower of Eros. Well, it does definitely teach you some pretty clever ways to help defend yourself if you're ever attacked. Mm. Any tricks? That's where I learned. That's where I learned to make the uh, the little the the little. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out a name for it. I'm kind of thinking. Uh, Consumptuary, maybe? Uh, that's not the best word. <laughs> well, it's still a working title. Yeah. It definitely seems to have an effect, I can tell you that. Uh, yeah. um, I reckon as it gets darker and everything, I'll start getting tired and ready to head off to bed. How much of the food did you eat that he brought out? Um, <laughs> I know you said you started eating it. So. Yeah, I'm going to say I probably finished off the bread and took a couple bites of the meat. Uh, so as Doric starts to get ready to head to bed, he's going to notice that the human man has not consumed any of the food he brought out. And as Doric starts to fade and get woozy, he'll notice a... Uh, a grin on the human's face as he pulls a mask from inside of his cloak and goes to put it on. Uh, the mask obscures his entire face and then running from forehead to chin is an intricate pattern that's almost like a woven design on this mask. And he just says, uh, before Doric uh, passes out, he says, excellent. The weaver will have one more. And he'll whistle, and three other people come out of the woods around the camp to put Doric into the cart. Yeah, I'm not good in the real world. Shit happens. <laughs> so the <sighs> next thing, when Doric finally starts to come to, Doric is uh, brought into this stone building. Um, it's not a stone that he would recognize. Uh, at least has never, maybe has never really worked around uh, between being a dwarf and then it's not really a thing over by uh, the temple. Um, it would be a sandstone, so it's that gritty stone. The floor and the walls. And the headache is there, but it's significantly worse inside this uh, area. And he will be kind of drug along by two of these people wearing similar masks to that human that grabbed him. Uh, they're not quite as intricate, but they're similar in nature. And then he'll hear a door open as he is thrown into a room that has uh, one person in it. And the door closes behind. Inside this room, 
Let me pull up my little note about this because it's a really fun note. <clears throat> On the western wall, there's a mural of a stormy night. And as you look at the mural, there are lightning strikes that almost seem to flash and move as you watch the mural. The northern wall, there's a snake that eats that's eating its own tail. Uh, on the western wall, there's an elf standing there. Eastern. Sorry, eastern wall. Okay. Uh, there's an elf standing there with uh, raised arms, wearing a mask that matches the mask of the one who um, poisoned you. And as he stands there, his arms are raised. There's a town, and as you watch, as you look at the mural, it looks like buildings start to shake and collapse. And if you look away from the and in the, the south, the southern wall, the wall you just entered from before they close the door, um, there is a, a scroll of parchment that, as you're looking at it, seems to unwind as a quill writes on it, if, you're, if you view it. Yeah. And then when you look away from any of these murals, they go back to being static. And that is where we will leave Doric for the future. Cool. So I will do what I did with uh, <clears throat> with Tex. Um, is there anything that you would like to share with the listeners uh, for this for this new uh, this new campaign? Uh, this is your stage. Oh Lord! Uh, hey y'all, uh, I'm Aubrey. Just uh, add, you know, joining uh, Fate's Rest here, and uh, looking forward to it. Uh, that's really about it. I don't have a whole lot to say at this point. Uh, hope that you'll end up enjoying Dork as much as I've enjoyed uh, creating him and seeing how he goes through this journey. We'll say our goodbyes in the episode, as we uh, have always done. We love you. Bye. Bye. As everything happens and you look around the room, Doric, you realize there is a human man in the room. Uh, I don't know how he is currently carrying himself in the imprisonment, so we'll see how he is uh, doing that. Uh, he is sitting crisscross applesauce on the floor in his heart boxers. Uh, <laughs> all right so you two are now thrown into a room having been imprisoned and kidnapped by the cult the cultists how i guess how do you how do these two characters react to one another uh doric you were also basically stripped down to uh the bare minute that was going to be my next question awesome uh, so i'm just gonna i would be bewildered, thrown into a dark room and everything. Just look up, open my eyes. What? Where, where am I? Who are you? What? What is this? What are we doing here? Your guess is as good as mine. I have just been sitting here waiting. Oh, I honestly don't know how long. Just waiting. It took all my stuff. I don't know what to do. Pat. You do know... You do know, Theo, that you've been given one meal since you were oh. thrown in this room. At least they feed us. So that's all you have for the passage of time. Well, at least there's that, although they 
That's how they got me. They tricked me into eating the food. I don't know if I would trust anything here. Speaking of which, who are you? Uh, name's Theo. I'm Doric. Yeah. Any idea why we're here? I'm gonna go with what um, I've been told my entire life. Shit happens, I guess. I don't. I don't know. All I know is I was leaving our temple, looking for a stolen relic, and the next thing I know, the guy I met on the road was feeding me, and he pulled on some weird mask. Wait, is it like a? Is it is it like a? A weird looking elf dude with a ugly mask yeah he had some kind of yeah mask that covered his entire face and had like some kind of rope he gave you jerky didn't he thing yeah he did how'd you know (laughs) how do you think I'm here (laughs) it was such a weird situation too I, I, I shouldn't have trusted him I'm too trusted growing up in the temple of people. I shouldn't have trusted them. I should have done better. I have a feeling that it would have you would have been here regardless of whether you ate the jerky or not. It's fine. <laughs> you ever heard the concept bad right. juju? <laughs> That's my a, life. A time or two. That's my life. <laughs> well, if I know anything, I know bad stuff happens, but you can always kind of change it. I've had a few things go wrong in life, but it's all worked out in the most part, so maybe there's a way for us to to, to better our situation here. 